0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe God will speak to you right where you are. Now, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to hear this week's message. I was talking with a good friend of mine uh, this week because, you know, prayer and fasting kind of started today. So I had to get all my, you know, cheap meals in, you know, last week. And so uh, we went to Moe's and uh, I love going to Moe's. But we were talking about kind of resolutions and we were talking about what we were going to do this year. And he's all about fitness And I'm all about fitness, and so we had that in common. I'm like, I'm all about fitness, burrito in my mouth right now. And so, you know, we both have that thing going. But he's a triathlete, and uh, he was telling me about all the gear. Like, I had no idea the cost associated, like, with people that are serious, you know, about, like, competing in triathlons, uh, about all this gear that was needed because of, really, the transitions from swimming to biking to running, right? There's this transition, and you have to have the right gear in order to do it well. In fact, how you transition really depends on, you know, whether you get a gold medal or no medal at all. It's how you transition that depends on whether you're on the podium or not at all, and so the transitions in this race are really, really important. In fact, I did one triathlon. It was about I don't know, three or four years ago. It was a sprint triathlon in Edinburgh. Somebody, you know, dared me to do it. A friend of mine, I'm like, I can do it. And so I show up, not having, you know, like, swam ahead of time, swum, swam, whatever, ahead of time. And, you know, so I was wearing my board shorts, and I had my 10-speed bike with me, which, come on, you guys remember, like, everybody had those ones with, like, little triggers up here and stuff like that. Mine had the little flippy thing, you know, on the, anybody else know what I'm talking about? That was my bike, and so I'm doing the little flippy thing. But I beat him, and the reason I beat him was because of my transition time. Like, I just got out of the water in my board shorts, jumped on my bike, and took off, which, by the way, is a really bad idea with board shorts on because I chafed, like, the whole, like, it was terrible, it was terrible. But the only reason I beat him was because I transitioned well, and I transitioned quickly. And I thought about how you and I transition from one year to the next, and how important those transitions are in our life as we transition from one thing to the next thing, from one year to the next, because God is a God of seasons. Did you know that? He's a God of, of, of seasons. Uh, that God does not work according to uh, our calendar or our timeline. Uh, just because it's January doesn't mean God is gonna do a new thing in your life, but God is a God of, of seasons. Like He created the earth to have seasons, did He not? We have fall, winter, spring, and is that how it's going to be? Really, you're not going to talk back to me? Fall, winter, spring, and summer. That's good. That's better. That's Olaf's favorite season, right? Fall, winter, spring, and summer. And he created the world to have seasons because God is a God of Of seasons. And so, in fact, the Bible says as long as there is time, you know, there will be a, a, a planting season, a harvest season. Uh, there's a time to, to reap. There's a time to sow. There's a time to plant. And, and there's a time for it to grow. God is a God of seasons. And I say that because God is a God of seasons in our life, too. And the sooner we, we understand that God works in seasons in our life, the better off we will be. Because there's a time, did you know, for you to grow and for you to mature And then there's a time for you to execute on that growth and maturity that you've gained. God is a God of seasons in your life. There's a time for you to learn stuff, to get some knowledge. And then there's a time for you to apply that which you have learned. And so God is a God of seasons in our life. So some of us think that just because the calendar flipped over to a new year, that perhaps God's going to do a new thing. And that's not necessarily the case. It might happen If your activity changes, it might happen if you step into a a new season, but just because the calendar flipped over and it's January and it's a new decade does not mean it will happen, right? Are you with me on that? But God is a God of seasons and he wants to do something new in your life. And so I submit to us today that the critical moment in our life is not in that season that we're in, but it's in the transition from one season to the next, it's what you and I do in that transition moment. It's what you and I do when we, we move from the swim to the bike to the run. It's in those transition areas in our life that medals are won or lost. It's in that transition moment in our life whether we're on the podium or not. And I would submit a lot of us don't transition that well. A lot of times from one thing to the next. And a lot of times we get stuck in these seasons of transition. And you end up, you know, getting out of the swim in your board shorts Jumping on a bike and getting seriously chafed in your life, like metaphorically speaking. Because we don't transition well. And so I want to talk to us today about how we transition. Like if we're going to be better, by the way, this series is not about you being better in your health or better in your finances or better in your faith, any of those things. Chances are, like you already know those areas that you want to get better in. But this is about kind of encouraging us as we all try to do better. And I think specifically today, God wants us to to look at the transition from one season to the next. I'm calling this message, if you want a title, Stuck in Transition. Because a lot of times we get stuck in the in-between moments, in transition moments. Because life is all about transition. Did you know that? Like we're always transitioning from one thing to the next thing. I I have one of my sons that went from elementary school to middle school this year. And it's a big transition. It's a big change. In his life, a changeover kind of season, because in elementary school, it was like one room, maybe two rooms, two teachers or so. And in middle school, now he's got seven classes he has to go to, seven different teachers. Uh, He has a homeroom, and then, you know, in elementary school, everybody was kind of friends. Now in middle school, everybody's finding their friends and and segmenting off and like kind of picking their squads and who they're going to run with. It's a transition season. I have another one that went from middle school to high school this year. Like, I got one in every school, you know, just so you know. Like, I like the Duggers. Like, I got so many boys. Um, but I, my other one went to high school, and that's a transition season. Like, now he's, you know, he went from seven teachers and all these classes to now he's in, like, semesters, and he have blocks of classes, like, four classes, and, and, and really what he does now sets him his, like, academic trajectory for the rest of his life. It's a, it's a big changeover season. Life is full of transitions. Some of you are going from college to your career, and now you're looking for that job, you know, that that you you went to school for, and that you paid money for, and when you went to school, you had assignments due, and you knew your schedule, and you knew what was coming, and now you're job hunting, trying to, you know, pay off the the college tuition that you hopefully, you know, will get a a good job for. It's a transition season. Some of you are going from from single to dating. That's a transition season. Some of you are going from, from dating to getting married. Some of you are going from being dinks, which is double income, no kids, right? You're together uh, to now having kids. And that's a big transition to where now you're up at night and wondering, did you feed the baby? And you're sleep deprived, right? It's a transition season. And here's what I submit. It's how we transition that determines the outcome of that next season. In fact, write this down. How you transition really determines the trajectory How you transition from from one season of this season determines the trajectory of the, the next season that you're entering into. And if you don't transition well from one season to the next, then you will find yourself, I will find myself, stuck. And how many of you feel like you don't want this year to be a replay of last year? Anybody with me? Because last year was a replay of the year before. And the year before that was a replay of the the year before that. And oftentimes that happens is because, like, just because the calendar flips doesn't mean things change. We got stuck in the season. We got stuck in the transition. And it wasn't because God is not powerful. It wasn't because God is not able to do things in your life. It's not because, you know, God was, you know, his ear is deaf or his arm is short in your life. It's simply because in the transition and from going one season to the next, we got stuck. And so life tends to feel like this this merry-go-round. And some of us have already resolved, maybe this year, I'm going to do better in my health. Which, by the way, is a great reason for you to do the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Like fasting something in your life uh, really helps to reset and recalibrate your body. So I would encourage you to, to jump in on that. Not to mention, it's just saying, God, we're setting apart the first part of our year. And saying that you have the priority in our life. So it's a, it's a great season to do that. But some of you have resolved, you know, I'm going to do better in my health or I'm going to do better in my finances. But how many of you would be truthful and say, I've already kind of blown it? It's like five days into January. Come on, be honest. And I rolled up to Starbucks and I had every intention of ordering the egg bites and protein. And I got to the window and I'm like, and I'll take a lemon pound cake. Anybody else or is that just me? All right. It's like I, I'm meant to get the protein. But I got the cake pop instead. You know, what happened? The devil made me do it. I don't know. But we felt some of those old habits already creeping back in. I think the problem lies in the transition from one season to the next. Or more seriously, maybe you, you resolved that this year you weren't going to carry around bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Like this year was going to be the year of joy. This was going to be a year of peace. But now you've already felt some of that starting to creep in into your Life And I think the problem, again, lies in the transition. But to build a life that matters, then we have to do the transition right. We have to get the, the transition correct. Because how many of you know the way that you leave one thing determines the way that you enter the next thing? Do you follow me? The way that you left that last relationship will affect the way that you enter into this new relationship. Or the way you left that last job really will impact the way that you enter into this this new job because you carry that with you so what you do in that transition matters for example if you left that relationship because of bitterness or unforgiveness or whatever it was and you think that just because you're in a new season and a new relationship that's not going to come with you but you didn't transition well and you carried that with you don't be surprised when bitterness and unforgiveness shows up in this new relationship are you with me which by the way if I could be so blunt the common denominator in all that is you Just saying. Maybe you need to start with you. Because we got stuck in transition. We didn't do the transition well. All that to say, if we're going to do better, we need to transition well. In the text that we read, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, Samuel is the priest. And he's in this middle of a a transition season. Samuel is the, the prophet of God uh, every priest, uh, every prophet was kind of lined up with the king. That's kind of how the Old Testament structured it. And so he was lined up with Saul. In fact, he anointed Saul to be king. And the, the king's responsibility was protection of the nation, was to kind of, you know, develop the nation, kind of move into new things, you know, uh, responsible for the economic growth and all that stuff for the nation. The prophet's responsibility or priest's responsibility to the king was to be the voice of God was to say, hey, this is where God's leading you. This is where God is taking us. This is kind of the direction that we're going in. In other words, the, the priest was the, the spiritual compass, really, for the nation. And Samuel, who was the priest, had anointed Saul to be the king. Previously, he'd anointed Saul to be the king, which, by the way, is a side note, God never intended for the nation of Israel to have a king. Did you know that? Like, he, he never wanted us to. God wanted to be our king. God wants us to be fully devoted to him and to, to follow after him for everybody to look to him for guidance. God didn't want us to have a king, but the nation of Israel said, hey, we want to be like all these other nations around us. So give us a king because they have a king. And I would just say there's a warning in there. Be careful when you want to be like everyone else. Because God might just give you what you want for you to understand that what you thought you want isn't really what you wanted. Are you with me? I'm preaching right now. Like for some of us, be careful. Because God might give you exactly what you're hoping for. And it's not really what God wants for you. And it's not really what you you needed. But they wanted a king. And so God ultimately relented and says, all right, I'll give you a king. And so Saul was it. Like the very first king of these chosen people, God's people, the nation of Israel, was Saul. And so in 1 Samuel 15, uh, I would encourage you to go back and read this. But God gives Saul, King Saul, a command. And he gives gives him very specific instructions on this battle that he is going into uh, against the Amalekites. And their king is named Agag or something like Agag. I don't know. If you're looking for baby names, I wouldn't use that one. But it's like Agag, King Agag. Because Amalekites had gone into battle against the Israelites when they left Egypt. And he told them, hey, I want you to wipe them out. Like don't take anything, don't plunder anything, but completely wipe these Guys, out, but they didn't do it. And Saul doesn't fully obey. Uh, he obeys God about 90% of the way. Uh, he takes the king hostage, and then he also takes the great, like the good cattle and the good sheep, right? So that's kind of where we are. And God tells Samuel, Hey, I need you to do something for me. This is Samuel 15, verse 10. He says, I need you to let Saul know I've rejected him as king. In other words, he's out. Like the guy you anointed. He's out. I need you to go tell him, go tell the king he's fired. How many of you want that job, right? Go tell the king that he doesn't have a job anymore. Like he's out, I've rejected him as king, and I'm going to establish somebody new, which would end up being the second king of Israel, David, King David. So Samuel goes to Saul to tell him this, to deliver this news, and here's why I love Samuel, because the Bible says that Samuel comes to him, after he's cried out to God all night, after he has wept through the night. Can I tell you something? You need friends in your life that when they have to deliver some tough news to you, they weep about it. Like, it breaks their heart. Be careful of the people that are all too happy to give you bad news. You know what I'm saying? Like, watch out for the people who are just a little bit too happy and excited to tell you all the things that you need to fix in your life. You need to have some friends in your life that when they have to deliver some news to you, when they see your life headed in a direction that it shouldn't be headed in, that they weep about it, that it breaks their heart. They'll still come to you, but they are heartbroken over the direction that you're going in. Like, that's why you need to be in a group, by the way. Like, make 2020 the year that you get in a small group. And I don't say that you you should be. I say you need to be, because you need to surround yourself with people who will protect you and shield you, people who, when they have to tell you something that's going on in your life, will weep about it, right? You need a Samuel in your life. Come on, you need that as you head into this new year. But that's where Samuel was. God told him, hey, I want you to go tell the king that that he's been rejected. I want you to give this corrective word to Saul. And Saul says to to Samuel, in fact, as soon as Samuel shows up to, to tell him, he can't even get a word in. To tell Saul that he's been rejected, the first thing Saul says is, hey, I did exactly what God told me to do. And the reason why he wouldn't let Saul, Samuel, get a word in is because he knew in his heart he hadn't fully obeyed. So he's like, I told God, I I did everything that God told me to do. You know, here we are about to worship God. And Samuel goes, bro, like, who do you think you're fooling? I hear the sheep. That's exactly what it says. Like, I hear the sheep. I hear the cattle. Like, you didn't do what God told you. To do, And because of that, he says, God has rejected you as king. This is a critical transition moment for Samuel. He's anointed one king for one season, and now he has to move on and anoint another king for another season. And he has a decision to make in this moment of transition, again, which is one of the reasons I love Samuel, because even through his pain, Even through the fact that he was heartbroken over this, that he was weeping all night, he was still willing to do what God asked him to do. I say that because some of the reason you and I get struck in transition is because that thing that God has revealed to us to do, which, by the way, I don't know what that is for you, but you do, I bet. And God does. That thing that he's revealed that we should do and showed us that we need to do is hard. In fact, write this down. We get stuck in transition when we refuse to do the hard thing, when we refuse to take the hard step, the 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 challenge. And can I tell you something? I've been doing this long enough to know that that thing that God is calling you to do is not going to be easy. Like it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. It's going to maybe scare you. It's going to be challenging. It's going to frighten you a little bit. But it, we we refuse to take it because it's It's hard. It's a little bit scary. But the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. And so when you step out in the faith, like you're stepping out of your control. You're stepping out of your comfort. You're stepping out of everything that you thought you knew to be true into what God knows, into what he has for you. And that's a scary order. That's a scary thing to do. But if we refuse to do that, refuse to do the hard thing, we stay stuck in transition, transition. And for some of you, you get frustrated with God because while you want full blessing from God, you won't give God full obedience. Can I tell you something? God does not give full blessing on partial obedience. Like if you're going to step into all that God has for you, like you're going to have to give him your full obedience. Saul went in 90%. He didn't do everything that God asked him to do. And so some of us sometimes will go, well, I'll give you 50, let's do 50-50, God. Or I'll give you, you know, 50% or 60%. I want to maintain some control. I don't want to go all in. You know what God will say? That's fine. Like, you can do that. Like, I I created you to have a will. Like, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But don't expect to receive full blessing and full favor if you're not going to give full obedience. Are you with me? Like, God will, will honor that full obedience. And so a lot of times we, we kind of refuse to do the hard thing, take the hard step. But if you want all that God has purposed for your life, all that he wants you to do, you can't go in halfway. God is not a halfway kind of God. Did you know that? And I, for one, am grateful that he's not a halfway kind of God. I, for one, am grateful that he didn't just cover half of my sins, cover half of my blemishes, but the blood of Jesus covered all of it, past, present, and future. And by the way, I'm not talking about God's love for you. I'm not saying you have to go all in in order for God to love you and care for you and accept you. He loves you and cares for you no matter what. Like salvation is a free gift. It has nothing to do with your work so that none of us can boast about it. I'm just saying if you want to walk in the full blessing of God, you can't do it on partial obedience. You can't do it on I'm just going to go halfway or I'm just going to give a little bit. Like And that's what Saul, Saul did. He just gave about 90%. And Samuel had a choice. Would he give the hard word to Saul? Would he do the hard thing, right, and say, hey, Saul, you're out. Like God's rejected you, and he's going to anoint someone else as king. And this was a a difficult transition moment. And I love that even though it was hard, Samuel did it anyway. Because sometimes you you have to um, progress even while you're in the process. You have to move forward even while God's not done with you. But like you're still a work in process. And if you're waiting for it all to be nice and neat and packaged, you know, and perfect, and you know the next step that you need to take, can I tell you something? You'll never walk into that next season. Because God doesn't work that way. It's while you, you know, are in the middle of it, sometime you have to take that next step. Part of moving on, by the way, is moving on, is taking a step. That process of stepping and then taking the next step after that and the next step after that. And even if it's hard, the next step after that. I've had people tell me, Colby, I want to lead a small group. Like, and you could do that in this new season. But then they'll say, "Uh, but I'm not ready to yet. And I'll say, explain that to me. I don't know enough yet. I'm not not quite sure. Can I tell you something? Nobody wants the small group leader that knows everything. Right? Nobody wants to be. That person doesn't have a small group. Because they think they know everything. Like, it's as you go. It's as you say, God, here I am. I'm going to obey. I'm going to take that that step. Peter, get out of the boat. Like, Peter had to take a step before he knew if he could do the whole water walking thing with Jesus, right? So you have to take a step first. It's as you you move. But a lot of us get stuck because we refuse to do the hard thing that's in front of us. But if you have expectations that this is going to be a better year than last year, uh, where you're receiving everything that God has for you, and I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me in 2020. Anybody else? Like I want all the blessing. I want all the in, in my family, in my in my church, in this church, in our leadership, in the in our impact that we have in the community. I want all that God has for me, but we don't get it on partial obedience. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. Um. And that is this, that Samuel gives Saul this message, and it was difficult, uh, and it's in those times of transition where, you know, your faith grows, grows the most. Uh, it's in those times of, of letting go of one thing and moving on to the next thing where you uh, really build that faith. So Samuel gives Saul this message, and he could have allowed insecurity or fear or doubt really to stop him uh, because, after all, it was a real possibility that Saul would say, all right, well, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm the king, and I can do what I want to do. But in the face of all that, he fought through and still did what God asked him to do. And after he's done, had that conversation, that's when we read 1 Samuel 16.1. God says to him, now how long are you going to mourn? And that's an interesting question. Because what God is saying, Samuel, how long are you going to uh, allow the past to hold you back? How long are you going to allow this thing to keep you from, from what I have in front of you? And some of us, we get stuck in a place that God has moved on from because, write this down, you're trying to restore something that God has rejected. I mean, You're trying to to resurrect something that maybe God has already moved on from. And can I tell you something? If God's moved on from it, like if God has moved on from that season to a new season, then it's time for you to move on as well. Like a lot of times we spend trying to restore something that God has already moved on from. He says, Samuel, how long? Are you going to mourn this? How long are you going to let this thing hold you you back when I've moved on? I've picked someone else to anoint. I've moved on, and I just want you to come with me. And some of us, we wouldn't categorize it this way. Uh, You might not even phrase it this way. But we're still mourning something that happened yesterday. Or you're still mourning something that happened a year ago or five years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. And God's like, how long are you going to stay there? How long are you going to stay in that place? It's a great question. And I'm not trying to downplay something that happened to you that was maybe tragic, someone hurt you or disappointed you. I'm just saying how long are you going to allow that to lock you into to where you are? How long are you going to allow that thing to, to hold you, you back? Sometimes we stay in that place of mourning because of the things that we thought we could change. Are you with me? If I, if I stay in this long enough, then maybe I can change it. Or if I stay here long enough, then I can, I can fix this. But can I just say, and it's not that with God all things aren't possible, but if you could have fixed it by now, you would have fixed it by now. But how long are you going to stay in that place? Mourning what's been passed. Mourning what God has moved on from. Here's the deal. Samuel was still mourning emotionally. He was still in that place of, of mourning. In fact, at the end of chapter 15... Samuel, after telling Saul, God's rejected you, God's going to anoint someone else as king, it's time to, to you know, like, let's go, we got to part ways. Uh, Saul, like, worshipped with Samuel there, worshipped God together, and then Saul went to Gibeah, I think it was, back to his home, and then Samuel went to Ramah, and they never saw each other again. Like, they never physically were with one another again, and although they had physically left one another like he was still emotionally mourning. How many of you know you could leave something physically and still be living in that thing emotionally? And for some of you, you've been living this, this emotional uh, emotional prison for a long time. And God's saying, how long are you going to stay there? Like when I've called you to, to move on from that thing. Stop trying to restore what I have rejected. Here's, here's the last one I want you to write down. We stay stuck in that transition. Because we perceive it as a downgrade. Like we we think this new season that God is leading us into is is a downgrade from the last season. Or or you could say it this way, because it doesn't look like we thought it would look like. How many of you would say, you know, my life, and you don't have to raise your hand, but my life isn't where I thought it would be by now. Like it doesn't look the way I thought, or my, my marriage doesn't look the way I thought My parenting doesn't look the way I thought. My job, my career isn't looking the way that I thought. And because because we perceive this next season that we're headed into as a downgrade from where we are, we stay stuck. And that's where Samuel was. Samuel was like, I thought Saul was gonna be this great king. Like, I thought he was gonna be the man. And God's like, yeah, I I wish he would have been. But he's not. And so I'm moving on, and I want you to move on with me, but we get stuck in that transition because we perceive that next season to be a downgrade. Uh, how many of you know it's one thing going from coach to first class, it's another thing going from first class to coach, right? That's a downgrade. And if we think something is a downgrade, then we often don't want to move. Or how many of you know it's, it's a whole lot easier to move when we perceive that to be an upgrade than it is when we think something is a downgrade? I remember when we were, uh, I was about five or six years old. My parents were uh, in the Salvation Army, and that's a long story, but we lived kind of all over the West and the South and moved around a lot. But we were driving from California to Alabama, which is a long road trip, by the way, um, to see my mom's family who lived in Boaz, Alabama. Have you ever heard of Boaz? No, exactly, right? It's nowhere. And so we we were driving there, and so we had to stop for the night, and we stayed in this, uh, man, I, I couldn't even call it a motel, all right? It was, a, it was a no-tel. Like, it was like, it was one of those places that, uh, let me, I think you could pay by the hour to stay there, all right? That's kind of the place it was. Just want you to know, they had plastic on the mattresses. Uh, you didn't walk into your room through the lobby. You, like, backed the car up to the room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if, it's kind of like it made it easy to bring the dead bodies out and put them in the trunk, I think. And so it was kind of that kind of place. Like, on Yelp, it would have been a negative one star, all right, that's what, what it was. And so we were staying there, and something happened. The police came. Uh, I think there were shots fired, you know, around there. And they started, like, like, my parents saw him wheel this gurney with this body, like, down in front of the room. And my dad's like, we're out of here. How many of you know it was easy to move from that to a different hotel, right? It was easy. That was an upgrade. Like, you know, how many of you know it's easy to move from the, the La Quinta to the courtyard? You know what I'm talking about? It's like I was living that La Quinta life. Now I'm living that courtyard life. Come on, free breakfast buffet. That's easy. It's difficult when we see and perceive what we're moving into as a downgrade. We perceive it as as something less than what we were experiencing before. That's where Samuel was. In Saul, Samuel had this leader of leaders. The Bible says that Saul was tall, He was head and shoulders above most people. The Bible says that he was handsome. He's basically describing me, except for tall and handsome part. Like, it's like really close. And do you know who he was going to anoint? He was going from that to a boy, a teenage boy. Not a proven leader, not a battle-tested leader, a shepherd. Like the youngest of his brothers. Number eight, David. In fact, after he anointed David as king, he wouldn't even be king for years. He wouldn't take the throne for years. David will go back to being a shepherd, back to working in the the fields. And I say that to say that sometimes what we think is a downgrade because we are seeing it through natural eyes is not really a downgrade because God would never take us from an upgrade to a downgrade. God only moves us from a downgrade to an upgrade. Now, sometimes it might feel like in a season that it's a downgrade, but ultimately God is moving us from victory to victory to victory. Come on, somebody. He's moving you from glory to glory to glory. That God has good plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. A lot of times we think what what looks like a downgrade in the moment is not really what God has planned. By the way, what did God say when he saw David and Samuel's like, this can't be the guy. He's like, don't let his outward appearance fool you because God sees the heart. He sees differently than we see. We have to look through spiritual eyes and understand that while it looks like a downgrade in this season, ultimately, God is leading us to an upgrade in our life. And at the end of this, uh, God asked Samuel How long will you mourn? And then he says this, go get your horn, get your oil, and move on. Get your horn, get your oil, and move on. I want you to anoint a new king. And I was thinking about that phrase, get your oil, get your horn, fill your horn with oil, and be on your way, and move on. I think for some of us in this new season, that's God's word to you. It's time for you to get your horn, get your oil, and move on. Like, move on. The, the oil in the Old Testament, by the way, was when they would anoint someone to be a priest. They would take that horn of oil and they would dump it on their head and, and they would pray it over them. And it was kind of this symbolic of being set apart. God is setting you apart for, for something new. God is setting you apart for the purpose that he has for your life. So you're gonna take that oil and you're gonna pour it on the priest and they pray over him. In the New Testament, the oil is kind of symbolic of the Holy Spirit, setting us apart, the Holy Spirit who, who comes inside of us and fills us and empowers us and gives us strength to do all that God has accomp- or wants to, to do in our life. And so for some of you in this new season, it's time to get your horn, get your oil, And move on. That God is moving you into a a new thing. That God is moving you into a new season. That God is anointing your marriage. That God is anointing your parenting. That God is anointing you in your job. That God wants to anoint you in the purpose that he has for you. God has a new story that he wants to write inside of your life and move you from this season to the next. Come on, stand on your feet if you want to praise God for this new season that he's moving you into. Let's get your horn Let's get your oil. Come on, God's moving you from victory to victory to victory. Come on, lift your voice. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this awesome journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can do so by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.